by the power of Castle Hate Skull. Once again, we are back and I am Hella Mark Harley here with episode 11. Can you believe it? So many people couldn't. We made it to episode 10 and because you are a faithful, loyal viewer slash listener on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if not watching on YouTube, I have decided to treat all my loyal viewers, subscribers, fans, whatever you want to call yourself, with a tank top. Yes, that's right. This flannel is coming off as cool as it is. I just wanted to, to wear it for a second and show you guys that yes, I buy cool stuff sometimes from Levi's, okay? But underneath that, yes, I still have an amazing physique even though I'm not working out that hard right now because my back still hurts and I have other lingering injuries, but you know what? Still got it, okay? And I think in order to really go viral, um, I'm gonna have to show off these delts. And it's gonna remind me, having these out, to just constantly sit in an unnatural position that will allow me to look as big as possible on camera. I gotta out-angle myself from last episode. That's the mission, that's the goal. Here we are, we're ready to do the damn thing. So, <clears throat> I just wanna let everybody know right now, what's up, fool? In a segment I like to call, what's up, fool? So, what's going on with me? Well, this past week, I went up to Seattle, Washington with the Thick Boy crew. There was a theater show in Everett, Washington. We stayed in Seattle, went to a show in Everett. It was really cool, packed theater. <laughs> it was kind of different than the normal situation at a comedy club. You come in and there's such a tight operation with like, you come in the back door, there's a green room, they're serving you drinks and food and you know at the exact time you have to go on. on. This was kind of like, we walk in, we're like, hey, we're here. There's like, you know, five 80 year olds uh, manning the ship here. They take it down to a haunted basement. You're hanging out with no music, no TV, in a, in a damp sort of uh, a basement with concrete walls and nothing really going on. It's a little different. You know, you kind of got to create the, your own energy, but luckily Chappelle was there to uh, <coughs> play some songs on the piano for us. Uh, we entertained ourselves. The guys killed the show and it was awesome. Uh, I bought some blue Converse high tops to work out in at a shop uh, whose name I forget, but it's one of those streetwear shops that when I walk in, a lot of things look cool to me, but then I go, wait a second, I'm a 38-year-old man without any real taste in fashion beyond the most basic clothing items. So I'm not going to buy this you know, sweatshirt with a Japanese anime design in it and walk out and realize, oh, Mark, you're not 12 years old anymore. This doesn't look cool on you. So went with the safe route, some royal blue chucks. You will be seeing those in the future. You can actually see them on my IG right now in a pic that I took with oh, the Buttery Bros. Who are the Buttery Bros? They are a collective of dudes who make content. They've made documentaries about CrossFit. We met them at... Uh, the Tough Mutter a few weeks ago brought them up then. They came to L.A. again, I guess. They're, they're based in Salt Lake. And um, it's Mars, Heber, and Julian. I think I got that right. Oh, I'm proud of myself. They came to L.A., came to Zoo Culture, wanted to do a workout, film some content, and go on The Fighter and the Kid. Um, so... That was always a good time to come in. And we're like, what should we do? I don't know. What should we do? We could do this. We could do that. And then we're like, how about some bench press? Because I'm a meathead. So we hit some bench. <clears throat> then we did a little 
uh, relay race between the Thick Crew, Chappelle, Brandon, and myself, and the Buttery Bros Crew. We did a sled push up and back, tag your partner. Uh, actually, you do 10 burpees before tagging your partner. Yes, my back was hurting. Did I still do it? Yes. Did I complain? No, except for the next day right now, which I'm complaining about. So I just had sort of a delayed complaint is what really happened. Um, the main takeaway from that was it was really fun. These guys are awesome. Check out their content if you're not aware of them. And secondly, I need to do more cardio. Oh, I'd been so good most of the year and during quarantine about running almost every day, six miles versus um, you know, a, a four-mile hill run that I do and just getting that in. I, because of a few injuries, um, I fell out of that, especially with the back. Now, although I think I can run with my back as long as I keep upright, but it's just something that you are going to you know, get out of the habit of. And uh, eventually, you have a moment of realization where it catches up. And all of a sudden, you know, doing 30 burpees and six uh, sled pushes down and back in a certain time frame makes you feel a little more tired than you should. And so that's my note to self is that while I can't lift super heavy at the moment, I am going to try to get back into cardio. Um, all right. I also wanted to kind of just show you, you know, moving forward another thing because now's a time in the year, right? Now is the time of the year when we start going, there's a lot of holiday stuff. A lot of people are getting off track. A lot of people are <clears throat> maybe working out less and eating more than they'd want to. That's okay, but you got to fight it. And part of that, for me at least, is to go, I'm going to keep doing what I can do and get the workouts in when I can, not judge myself too hard for not going as hard as I have at my peak during the year, peak intensity, peak volume. But just be prepared to jump back into it come January, right? Uh, when things free up a little bit, when we don't have some of these holidays. And so I was just kind of looking forward and going, what are some workouts that I could do, especially with Brendan and Chappelle, where I go, maybe because of their touring schedule, I only get them a certain number of days per week and want to get in at least one day where we hit the entire body with resistance training and then also add some hit cardio in. Came up with a few things, okay? And this is just something that I wanted to share with you because this could apply to you. Like if you had one hour during the week and wanted to get results as far as muscular hypertrophy, I devised a little workout that'll take exactly an hour, 15 movements, two sets each, and you are doing, uh, it's every set is done on the two minute mark. So you're not going to have a lot of time to rest or move in between. You'll have, you'll have rest. It's nothing crazy, but it's just a brisk pace throughout. And basically you're going to choose movements that don't, uh, necessitate you warming up a lot, right? So jump on, maybe take a warm-up set of the first thing you do, like bench press, right? But then you're going to a weight that's not in a percentage of your max that you really need to warm up that much that you can jump on and probably do at least eight up to 25 reps. But the idea is you pick a weight and you just do it to a certain proximity of failure, like one or two reps shy of failure. Then if you need to go up, great. If you need to go down, that's cool too on the next set but it's on the two minute mark. So whatever the reps take you to do, whatever time, if they take you 15 seconds because you do five reps, they take you 30 seconds because you do 10, then you subtract that and you get the minute and a half or minute 45 rest because um, everything's on the two minutes. As I keep saying, that workout would be, <coughs> you ready? 15 movements, 
some sort of bench, flat bench, inclined dumbbells, some sort of isolation movement for chest, flies, or pec deck, standing press, either with a barbell or a hex press, seated dumbbell press, or Smith shoulder machine. Then lateral raises or high pulls or rear delt flies or face pulls, some sort of isolation movement for your middle or rear delts. We're not through the front because they're already been hit twice with the pressing movements that come before it. Then you're going to go to either pull downs or weighted pull ups. Then seated rows or T-bar rows or hammer strength rows or some sort of row machine or even one arm dumbbell rows. Then go to a cable pullover for a lat isolation exercise. A cable pullover like this, straight arms pulling down or a dumbbell pullover like this, right? Uh, and then you're going on to legs. Hack squat, leg press, belt squat, front squat, back squat, any one of these, whatever's gonna be easiest. If you can load you know, a, a leg press machine up and do two sets, great. Make it heavy, make it intense, but make it something that you don't have to warm up a ton in order to get that movement down. And I think hack squats or leg press, for example, are, are good for that. Or actually hack squats because leg press can take a lot of time where you're actually loading the plates on to get into the weight you need if you're strong. Then leg extensions, then leg curls, then two sets of calves, two sets of bicep curls of any kind, you know, whether it's seated, uh, incline curls, whether it's a, a bicep curl machine um, or just a standing barbell curl. And then triceps, you got skull crushers, you got dumbbell, uh, you know, with, with a barbell or dumbbell, <clears throat> behind the neck dumbbell, uh, tricep press downs, close grip bench, reverse grip bench, any of these things will work. And voila, if you keep up the pace of one set every two minutes, in an hour you've done your full body, two hard sets, and if that's the only thing you do all week, you could still get results from that. <clears throat> and then I also came up with some kettlebell circuits and bodyweight circuits that also take an hour, but we'll do those in another episode. So with that one workout that I just lined up for you to do, as I said, you can get results if you're having proper nutrition. And what better place to learn about proper nutrition than Hella Chef Harley? Okay. On this week's episode of Hella Chef Harley, another super complicated recipe that you'll probably never be able to replicate without going to culinary school. <clears throat> one of my favorite little hacks today that I'm gonna show you is Bibigo rice bowls. So, obviously rice is a staple in a traditional bodybuilder's diet. I just found that for me, the making of the rice and the storing of the rice and the measuring of the rice, that, even something as small as that, I know, right? It is easy if you're really into rice and you're in a habit of making it. I just found that I'd always be like throwing it away or not using it or, you know, um, Making rice wasn't flexible enough because I don't necessarily want to eat it every day, but when I want a carbohydrate like rice, um, it's really nice to be able to have it like on demand and it's not going bad and you know the exact serving and it comes out perfect, right? Because I can also, I know rice is simple, but you mess up rice and it's, <laughs> it just doesn't taste right. Maybe you don't want to eat it. So what I do is use these BBGo sticky rice bowls. They cook in 90 seconds in the microwave and they're just perfect. The texture's perfect, they're sticky, they're, it's just a really nice consistency. And one of these little bowls is 310 calories, okay? So let's see the carbs. I think the carbs are like 70. Uh, yep, 71. So if you wanna eat half, for example, uh, 35 grams of carbs and, and 155 calories, okay? Nothing crazy, but you know, if you're if you're uh, a little bigger and you can handle the full rice bowl, go ahead and do that. Now, what I mix it with is another hack. Okay, 
This is a super basic recipe of just beef that you've pre-prepared or any meat, but I'm gonna stick to, to beef because that's my little hack today, is using ButcherBox. Uh, ButcherBox, another company that doesn't sponsor me but should, where you at ButcherBox? Come give me your meat. Or I'm gonna, f I'm gonna hunt you down, ButcherBox, and I'm gonna put my meat in you, all right? Take from that what you will. Now, <clears throat> I noticed I was getting, I signed up for ButcherBox, it's high quality meat that gets delivered to your door, so that's very convenient if uh, you, know, you, you don't get meat elsewhere from a bulk supplier. The issue is they give you all these different cuts and you may or may not get like a lot for your money. You're paying hundred bucks, 130 bucks. If it's an all beef box, I think it's, a, it's a, around that price range. Um, the thing is all these different cuts have different weights. And like, you know, if you're getting filet mignon, like if you got only filet mignon in your box, it'd only be like a few pounds of meat, you know, and everything's in like, you know, you see that, oh, mixing and matching these things, like you could get, you know, it, it, the equivalent of like 12 ounces of uh, filet mignon or, or top sirloin or something is like these roasts that they have are like two and a half pounds. So I'm like, well, what if I fill the whole thing with these two and a half pound roasts? Like, what's wrong with that? At first I was like, okay, they keep sending me these roasts in a like mixed bag of meat. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. I look it up, you know, how to cook a roast. Takes a little time because you got to slow cook it, et cetera. Then I had this brilliant idea of what, what if you just cut up the meat and cook it in small pieces in a pan? A ding. So that's what I started doing and kind of noticed that, you know, when you're eating small chunks of beef, you don't really give a shit because it's being cooked all, all through anyway. It's not like you're preparing some great steak. If that's what you want, great. But the fact is, you know, even if it's a a roast type meat that's considered lower quality, it's still lean and it still tastes great if you cook it in, in uh, with salt and maybe a little bit of oil. It has this great flavor. The beef, you know, stands on its own because it is high quality meat. Um, and then it's just a little bit of labor on top of that. So if you're down to like f defrost and cut up the roast into small pieces, it actually cooks super quick, right? So rather than spending a few hours making this roast, that you can slice into and serve your family. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Eve, you can have uh, a great uh, meal prep sort of serving that you can like literally spoon out. If you put a Tupperware container full of this meat that you've been cooking uh, in the pan from the butcher box, it's just little chunks, it's easier to weigh out, right? So you can kind of get precise, like you want 10 ounces of beef. Uh, you put it in your BB Go. Maybe add a little bit of sauce if you want, but it's actually pretty good on its own um, since you're already cooking it with salt and it's high quality beef, as I said. So that's my little hack for like, you know, you want a chicken and meat uh, sort of dish to go that it's only going to be the time that it takes to microwave the white rice and microwave the meat that you already have cooked up that only took you a few minutes anyway after cutting, right? So could it get any simpler? Could it get any more efficient? I don't think so. And yet here you are not ordering ButcherBox, not using my tips. I don't know how much longer I can go if you're not going to take my advice. So please, for the sake of my mental health and for the sake of your body, just follow the tips, okay? And then everybody can get along. Okay, so for this week's Saucy or Not, I had a bunch of people send in this recommendation. Uh, I think the guy's a comedian of some sort. Uh, his name's Chris D'Elia. And... As of recently, he's been posting a lot of shirtless pics online. And I got to tell you, just from a visual standpoint, things are looking pretty suspicious. Now, this guy is in his early 40s, 
okay? We see him flexing and posing here. Uh, there's a little background music in the, in the back that's him going, sorry, strong guys, said over a song, okay? Sorry, strong guys. <clears throat> now, uh, what is he saying sorry for? What is he saying sorry to the strong guys for? Because he's now the strong guy. He has now usurped every single other comedian in the game as far as muscular development, as far as strength, as far as body fat percentage just being so unbelievably low that I think it's veering on being unhealthy. Now, is he on steroids or not? Obviously, he doesn't pass the smell test and the visual test of just looking, does this guy look like he could achieve that physique naturally at his age? Probably not. You never know. I mean, it's not as if I know any of his friends or somebody who could tell me the exact cycle he's running. But let's just speculate, okay? Now we look at him here, we, we see him bounce his pecs up and down. The sheer volume that we're seeing in those pecs along with the cross striations that we can see is just something that, you know, it indicates to me he's probably at around four to 5% body fat. He does a brief lat spread and we can see there's an enormous level of development in both his lats and his teres major. Okay, we can see the serratus here again. The guy is just absolutely shredded. His abs are prominent. He sort of looks like the liver king in that regard, where each abdominal muscle is just a giant brick laid upon his stomach. Now, you can see when he goes up uh, to do this right here, his arms are so big, his biceps are so big that it actually interferes with him posing like that. I think his mobility is limited because his biceps and triceps are so gigantic. And we see, of course, the 3D delts there popping, absolutely capped. And to me, that's just one of the most obvious signs of anabolic use is the fact that this guy can be at 4% body fat, and yet his delts are just engorged. And I don't even think he has a pump right now, to be honest. They could get bigger if he did have a pump. So we're looking at a guy again, uh, you know, uh, classic physique champion caliber a body on a 40-something-year-old, and just you know, a couple years ago, he didn't look like this. So I think the rapid acceleration as far as his aesthetics go, the addition of at least 20 pounds of muscle while dropping body fat, you got to say this guy's on the juice, okay? <clears throat> now, I don't know exactly. Again, I don't know what he's running. It's not as if I, I know anybody who knows him that could tell me that he's on 400 milligrams of testosterone a week, uh, another 400 milligrams of Primo, um, 50 milligrams of Winstrol every day, in addition to six units of uh, HGH taken uh, three IUs in the morning and three IUs at night. I, I, I'm just speculating on that. There's definitely nobody who I know who knows him that has reported to me uh, in secret what he's actually on to attain this elite level physique. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to speculate. Who knows? I don't know anything. I don't even know the guy. But here he is looking like a goddamn Greek god in his kitchen and expecting us to believe he's a natty comedian. Okay, bro. Sure. <laughs> All right, so next up, we got another hella sick fitness page to look at. It's the knees over toes guy. Ever heard of him? Didn't think so. Actually, he's pretty big, but I wanted to bring this guy up because he has a lot of unconventional methods uh, for training that involve stressing your joints and stressing uh, some of these ordinary movements like a squat or a lunge or shoulder press in more extreme ranges of motion in a systematic way to heal injuries. So uh, 
I've known about him for a while, and he kind of has this interesting backstory where he was a high school basketball player who overtrained a lot, or even if you're just jumping a lot, you're going to get a lot of stress in your knees. So um, he talks about suffering from injuries and having tears in his tendons, et cetera, and also just not being able to jump high. Um, so, you know, he couldn't dunk, and therefore his dream of having a basketball scholarship as a white guy shockingly vanished. So that's his starting point of sort of being like, normal athletically and using a lot of experimentation, uh, doing things that the conventional wisdom about working out often tells you not to. For example, how many people here heard growing up, you shouldn't let your knees come over your toes when you're squatting. That's a bad thing. It's going to hurt you, right? Well, this guy makes a whole page. His icon is his knee extending super far out in front of his ankle. And there's a theory behind that, and I always find that interesting when people take the conventional wisdom and sort of turn it upside down <clears throat> and say, the results speak for themselves. So this guy has increased his vertical tremendously, he's healed all his injuries, and more importantly, he's helped replicate that with a number of other people. It's not just knees. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you see him dunk right there. I assume he's in his 30s. Uh, he has other videos of him like jumping off a roof. Um, he has a lot of great videos that kind of take you from the most basic uh, starting point, like if you're elderly or something like that, if you can barely bend your knees, he has these progressions that he can take you through uh, so that even if you're not mobile, you're not strong in these ranges of motion, it's all about gradually working up there. And one of his other things is he doesn't want you to feel any pain. So this is like, he's not even saying you should work through a one or a two uh, as far as pain goes. He's all about going, what can you do right now? What's the range of motion that you can use that doesn't have any pain? And then we're gonna slowly expand that range of motion over time and add weight to it until the point where you're actually pretty strong in these more extreme ranges of motion. The thinking being, you really get injured in the extreme ranges of motion, like your arm comes too far back or your, you know, your knee goes in a direction that it shouldn't. If you can slowly and safely strengthen all your joints, through these more extreme ranges of motion, you're much less likely to experience uh, injury. And even as I've been saying I have this back injury, I went to the guy to see if I could uh, find a video uh, on back stuff, and I found one. He said, how to gently reverse the effects of sitting. He gave me a little um, exercise to do that actually helped it feel better almost immediately. Um, and it's super simple. So a lot of the stuff is also geared towards like if you're sitting all day at an office job, here's how to sort of reverse the effects of sitting too much because obviously that's not great for us as humans to do. So check out his page, Hella, uh, uh, Knees Over Toes Guy, and you can actually buy his programs for really cheap and coaching. Like yeah, I just heard some of the prices today. It's like, you know, 27 bucks for a, a program and a month of coaching. Maybe it's another 27 bucks more as he's running the special. So Again, if you're having any sort of issues with your joints, almost any joint uh, on the human body, he seems to have a at least a free video on it and probably a program for it uh, that can help you out, <clears throat> bulletproof yourself against injury, and get stronger um, in ways that defy convention. You going to check him out? No? <laughs> you're making a mistake, and I urge you to reconsider. I'm going to do a bro science academy today that follows up on one of my favorite protocols, the DC training that I talk so much about that some people have been writing in to ask me about uh, that I'm going to offer some clarification on. So a guy named Matt Larmoyou asked me, 
Hey Mark, big fan of the pod, was listening to you talk about DC training and I've been trying it out lately. I've been in a full body, four to five days a week split, where I hit every muscle group two times a week for about five months. I've been waiting to switch up my split for a little while, so I tried a few DC workouts, but I've been having a hard time mentally convincing myself that I'm putting enough work in with DC training compared to my old full body strength split. Any tips would be much appreciated. So I know his question is mainly like, you know, just asking me like, does it work or not? Mentally, you know, I, I, it's, I have a hard time believing it. He's not necessarily saying the results aren't there, but if you try DC training, which essentially will get you uh, hit your entire body twice a week, three to four workouts a week, alternating every other day, very low volume, very high intensity, using uh, rest pause, forced reps, controlled negatives, sort of all these things designed to push yourself past failure in the heaviest weight that you can lift in the range of like 10 to 20. Uh, will all those things work because I'm really only doing like one or two working sets. Now that working set might be a broken set of a rest pause where you do, you know, 10 to failure, six to failure, three to failure after 40 seconds rest. But I outline, if you are doing DC and it's not working for you, I outline some possibilities. One, uh, you're doing everything for the DC protocol properly and it's just a mental barrier that you feel it's an adequate volume to grow based on higher volume uh, protocols that you've done in the past. So it could just be all mental and you're not paying attention to the results. Um, in which case I understand that it may not feel like it's enough, but as long as your numbers are going up every week, it's working, which may take a few weeks to measure because typically you're rotating through three main exercises per muscle group. So you'll only get a chance to PR on each one every third workout. Option two is you're not doing it exactly as prescribed or you're, uh, ready for advanced DC training, but are using the beginner protocol. And if you give me more info, I can help you figure that out where you're at in life. Okay. But, um, the main things that would undermine the efficacy of DC training would be insufficient intensity, not going to actual gun to head failure, not controlling the negative or squeezing for a peak contraction on back movements, especially taking more than 15 breaths slash 40 seconds on the rest pause breaks and not doing the stretches for each body part, which is another very important and unique thing to DC training. Um, if you want to check out more about this, there's a guy named Dusty Hanshaw. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, YouTube. He posts a lot of his videos. So it, I think it's something you kind of need to see. You need to see the intensity. You need to see how hard this guy works on, you know, these rows, these incline Smith machine presses, they go all out and they have somebody there helping push them past failure. If you're doing that, if you're really, really focused and going all out, you only need a couple sets to grow, but you have to monitor yourself. You have to make sure that your numbers are going up every week and that you're chasing that every week. And if you're not, then you're just lying to yourself. So maybe wake the fuck up, get real for once in your life, Take accountability, go to Alcoholics Anonymous, apologize to everyone who you've wronged in the past, and come back to the gym and start fresh. But until that day, don't fucking flood my inbox with these insane DMs about me and program not working, how can I do it better? I don't give a fuck, you alcoholic idiot. I'm sorry, I, did, I, don't, I got carried away. Okay, on this week's Why We Can't Have Nice Gyms, well, this is exactly why we can't have nice gyms. We see a guy here who's lifting what it looks to be about 455 on deadlift and just right mid lift. 
he's puking everywhere. And this is kind of a common genre online, actually, people puking during deadlifts. But I got to just ask you, why? Why would you put yourself in that position to actually puke during a lift? Like you think when he's getting it off the floor like that, you would feel that coming, right? At least for a few seconds. Maybe just drop the weight. Maybe just don't do that. Maybe use better form because he's cat backing 455 all the way up. The form's horrendous. And maybe that's your body telling you something. Hey, you're not meant to lift this weight on this day. Put it down. And instead of puking all over a commercial gym that either you or somebody else is going to have to clean up, maybe take it as a sign that uh, this is a not a healthy weight for you to lift with this movement. Your body is screaming at you saying, no, sir. We don't want to do that today. Your organs are under stress. Your blood pressure is too high. Something's going on where mentally your body's going, we are in severe danger. Vacate your stomach immediately. This does not feel good, right? <clears throat> and of course you want to push the intensity, but puking on a deadlift is just, eh, I think there's better ways to puke. You know, go outside, do the deadlifts and then puke but you really need to puke during the deadlift and not just like let it go and maybe cover your mouth. So, but it makes for cool content. I appreciate the fact that this video exists and it's floating around the internet and it's a reminder to me that I've never puked during a deadlift. I don't plan to. And the day that I do, I will come back here and admit it to everybody and hang my head in shame and say I messed up and I'm asking for your forgiveness. Will you give it to me? All right, today we've got a really hot Champion of the Week segment for you. I'm bringing in a friend of mine, somebody who I've known for over 20 years, and a fitness coach turned shadow work and life coach mentor, uh, Odysseus Andrianos. How hey, you doing, Odie? Doing fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Ready to get down on some dope wisdom and share some tools to support people. Yeah, so one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you and, and kind of touch a little bit on your expertise is because one of the themes of this show is the connection between the mental and the physical, right? I can tell you everything to do. You can look up the perfect program, but it's always going to be a battle for most people to overcome their own psychological barriers, right? To actually do the work. So uh, you just before we get into that, I'll just touch real close. We played football together in high school. Right, <laughs> that's a funny story in and of itself because we were zero and ten as freshmen, and we were part of a small group of seniors who stayed with the program and eventually got to playing for the NCS championship game. So that's kind of a cool thing as far as like resilience and staying with stuff that I, I've always used as an analogy to like, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a bad start or you're starting from a place that other people aren't. You can always turn it around with hard work and determination. Yeah, After we, we sucked pretty hard back. Yeah, we, we, were, we were freshmen. <laughs> we were absolutely terrible. So. <clears throat> After graduating from San Diego State, you became a personal trainer, and you can take it up from there. Cool. So uh, when I was like high school with you, I just loved fitness, loved working out. I remember working out with you. I remember you actually gave me this book called Power Factor Training. I don't think uh -huh. I ever gave it back to you, actually. I, think I, still, have, <laughs> I still have it somewhere. I brought it up on the podcast, actually. Uh, oh, really? Okay, Not cool. that you took it from me, but like the whole story, because that, that big meathead in the gym one time was like, this is so stupid. And I was like, we should check out that book, you know? Okay. I okay. mean, I said like the book is also whatever it's, but it was, it was a start of like getting interesting ideas and it was unconventional. So I'm all about like trying shit out. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't, but yeah, well, well, long story short, um, I grew up in the film industry actually, actually. And I was around like top notch fitness coaches back in the day with my dad working in Hollywood 
And uh, it just inspired me. I was like, wait, you can like change someone's life and like change their body weight from like one film production to the next. I was just fascinated by that. And yeah. So uh, yeah, working out with you back in the day with the football team and then eventually got my degree in kinesiology from San Diego State. And within a year and a half, I was so passionate about what I did. I opened my own gym in, uh, what was it, 2009? And mm -hmm. I ran that for 11 years. And then I also opened a second corporate gym with this uh, $130 million a year corporation in San Francisco called WBE Electric. And I'm still working with them. I built a gym with them. I ran it for about five, six years. Uh, when COVID hit, I shut it all down. And I was actually kind of already getting into this deeper work with uh, shadow work and life coaching because I realized, and I said this to you before, we talked about this, is that people aren't struggling with diet and people aren't struggling with diet and exercise. They're struggling with their mental and emotional health internally. And that's what shows up externally as the struggles with, with their diet and exercise. Yeah. So when you make the shift internally, it changes things externally. And it actually takes less work. Like I tell people there's an analogy that I use to explain like shadow work is like, it's like you're on a boat and you're trying to go to your goal. Yeah. And you're working out really hard, you know, like although you talk about intensity, it's like how you're applying your intensity and all that stuff's great. But if the current is going against you, you're going to waste a lot of energy and effort. And the current is essentially the subconscious mind. And once you get your emotions in the right space, boom, you're, the current shifts and then you're getting results with a fraction of the effort. I'm sure you've seen that or experienced yeah. that in your own life. Yeah. And uh, that's what got me so much more clarity with like the mental and emotional game. Because even all fitness coaches, you're doing a degree of life coaching and mental and emotional work. Whether we help, we don't, you don't sell people that, but that's a big part of the game. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I really like that because it is so much um, <clears throat> about, you know, self-knowledge first and being able to create a habit that you're not interfering with subconsciously all the time, you know. And you say it a lot with diet, too. I was just talking with a friend of mine who, you know, I mean, even just acknowledging it, first of all, because people will come to me like, oh, I'm doing all these things right, and then, you know, but they're not including the fact that they're eating, you know, a dozen donuts on the weekend or whatever because yeah. they're ashamed of it. But if you peel that back and go, what is behind that shame, you know, maybe you can get to the answer and fix that and then it won't be a problem moving forward potentially. But, you know, it's always going to be there until you work on it. So what are some of the emotions that you work on when you say, like, you know, there's an emotion that's that's providing this barrier that you need to do shadow work on? What are some examples? So you said it perfectly, shame, guilt, anger, sadness, and a lot of it's repressed in the unconscious mind. And this isn't just like, like people like, oh, is this me? Well, it's, it's not only you, it's like, it's generational, it's passed down. Yeah. So the key thing is to recognize what are the triggers that keep showing up for you? What is like, like I get triggered and I go back to eating the donuts. I get triggered yeah. and I'm going back to doing drugs. I get triggered and I'm going back to alcohol. Yeah. And this is oftentimes with people that we really love too. And so the thing I, I personally really enjoy about teaching this stuff is that like what it comes down to is recognizing your trigger, yeah. what meaning you're creating from that trigger, what emotion is consistently showing up, and what behaviors. People think, oh, I want to change behaviors. You don't change behaviors. You have to recognize the trigger, the meaning, like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of love. And then the, the emotion pops up, and then boom, you're falling in this downward sp spiral yeah. of your behavior sabotaging you. Yeah. And so once we get clear on what the triggers are, right, yeah. it all comes down to awareness. If you don't have awareness, you're not going to change. Yeah. It's really that simple. But once you have that awareness, you recognize your triggers, the meaning changes, and the real change happens at the emotional level. Because the word emotion is essentially emotion. It's energy in motion or it's not because it's stuck emotionally. And one of the things, like we, we uh, did a call recently. We went over, uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, Chinese face reading. I mentioned yeah. to you, there's no such thing as a good or a bad emotion. There's only yeah. stuck emotions. And when yeah. you access those emotions, it sets you free. Your whole life becomes easier. And just like on a, on a side note with the word diet, mm -hmm. I often tell people, uh, the, the roots of the word diet comes from the Latin word dieta, meaning way of life. And I've told that to many coaches and they're like, oh, because people say, oh, I hate diets. Like you just hate yeah. your way of life. And when, you, yeah. when people get that clarity, 
that allows them to shift their way of life with a lot less effort because a lot of it is the meaning we're creating around certain words. Like yeah. when I say a word, it's different for you than it is for me. So helping people create that clarity, boom, shift happens and then the getting results the fraction of the effort. That's what great coaching is all about. Yeah, I like that because it is, you know, I do like to think in terms of like lifestyle, not just some crash diet or we're doing this thing for two weeks or whatever, you know, the best long-term effective uh, program is gonna be something that you can adopt as a way of living, right? Um, <clears throat> another thing I wanted to touch on was you refer to yourself as <clears throat> the, you, you mentioned the mommy whisperer. <laughs> yes. And so yes. what does that mean? Because I know a lot of people like, I'm trying to get my mom more into fitness. I'm trying to get, um, you know, people will come to me who maybe have certain difficulty. They've never had resistance training or whatever. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like for anybody watching going, you know, they have a family member um, who they want to get into fitness and, and what is your unique approach with talking to moms or, or older women that maybe somebody could pass on you know, to their family members to get them started in fitness and increase their longevity? Well, that's a great question because, you know, it's like as we as we age, you know, especially if you don't have good habits or it comes back to like the shadow stuff too, it's like sometimes it's generational. It's tough to work with a parent who's kind of stubborn. Yeah. And like uh, back to your point about being the mommy whisperer, I never like plan on being like a mommy's coach or coaching women. It just kept what kept showing up. I'd say yeah. I coach 70% women, 30% men. And uh, I was helping so many women lose weight that that, that, that name just kind of stuck with me, the mommy whisperer. There came a yeah. point where like my mom, I was coaching for like six years running my gym. And then my mom's like, you're helping a lot of women lose weight. And then she started finally working with me. And my mom's like the most stubborn person possible, especially working yeah. with, with your mom, right? Uh, she lost 60 pounds in five months. Yeah. And the biggest part of that was coming back to like the point about um, changing the way she thought about food. She like, yeah. would, I would say like, well, like, uh, like you look at a cupcake or a cookie and it's just a mound of sugar. And yeah. the day that I, I realized that it really landed for her is like I had some other ladies in the gym and she went up and she was actually saying that to those other ladies. Uh -huh. And that was, I was like, oh my God, my mom got it. Like she figured it out. Yeah. But, but back to your point about um, like, like kind of warming up to getting like your, your family member. It's always yeah. about like, like especially with like coaching, it's about asking great questions. Yeah. Part of the word question is quest. Yeah. And if you ask the right questions, you can reveal to people themselves what they need to do and what they need to see within themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you do that effectively, they'll manifest the change within themselves. And that's what essentially great coaching is about. My father always said, working in the film industry, uh, my father's worked with some of the best um, directors in the world. And he always told me that the greatest director directs the least because everybody has it within them. And I yeah. feel it's the same with the coaching industry. The greatest coach coaches the least because everybody has it within them. All yeah. it really comes down to is mirroring certain aspects of themselves that they're not seeing. So when it comes to like family or people you love, just wait for that moment where they kind of get a little vulnerable. Yeah. And when they open up, then just boom, plant that seed in there and then right. nurture that seed. And then all of a sudden they'll start changing themselves. Yeah, I, and I, I really like that as an approach because I've noticed with people in my own family, people I'm close to, you'll see that certain people like will bludgeon, you know, and kind of repeat like, you can't drink, you shouldn't drink, you're fat, you do the too much. That's never gonna work. It's gonna make the person peel no. back more. You do have to wait for the right opportunity to yes. put an idea in somebody's head and allow them, uh, you know, to do that thinking, do that research, kind of make the decision for themselves to change because I think that's such an important part. But as you're saying, asking the right question is the key, not just speaking didactically at somebody you know, uh, as if it's persuasive, you know, as if just telling somebody the right thing to do is the magic pill. Oftentimes people aren't ready for that. Um, yes. So if anybody wants to find you to get a little bit more, I know we're just touching on some of these topics, but you have so much to say on all these different topics, I think that go a level deeper than just fitness. Obviously, you know the X's and O's of how to coach people uh, in strength, conditioning, fitness, all that. Where can they find you? 
if they want to go a little deeper. Check me out on TikTok or Instagram at I am OD1 Kenobi. Uh-huh. My dad worked on Star Wars when I was a baby, so when I was literally, like, uh-huh. just before I was born, my, I was in my mother's womb when they were watching the premiere of Reven- Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. So that's why I go by I am OD1 Kenobi. And, and that's I A M O D Y. Yes. And then W A N. Yes. Kenobi. K E N O B I. You got it. There's nice. a new There's a new Obi Wan Kenobi uh, series coming out actually in a few months. Perfect. So it's like just good timing. And right? website. Um, <laughs> OdysseyMentorship.com. Awesome. And uh, there's a lot of videos and content there, so you can learn a little bit more about like what's shadow work. A lot of people don't know what that is. Yeah. So I really feel that shadow work, and uh, I, I blend shadow work with NLP, neuro linguistic programming, and Taoist healing, and I feel like that is the future of coaching. And so that's I, there's videos on my website that go deeper into how those all kind of intertwine with one another. Dope. So I'm gonna encourage you to check it out. I will be following up with every single one of my viewers to make sure that you've at least visited Odie's TikTok page. Peace. Okay, so for this week's Hater of the Week, we're going to switch it up a little bit. And actually, I'm going to applaud this week's hater because this is somebody who actually went out and put effort into trying to roast me. And you got to applaud that because so many of my haters are just coming with the same exact tired insults and really not even being funny or clever while they're doing it. They're not only regurgitating, but they're just saying like mean stuff with no surprise, no turn, no wit, no cleverness. So... That's the thing is I kind of have to, you know, the last episode I did, this guy who just says he wishes death upon me. That's it. You know, no surprise. No nothing. This week I'm going to focus on a guy who I found. uh, It's a podcast devoted to me. Uh, He runs a podcast called The Internet is a Toilet. And he did an entire episode, 24 minutes, just on me, which just really tickled my ghiblies. So... Somebody a few weeks ago, I've known about this for a few weeks, I just wanted to wait for the perfect time to drop this particular hate of the week. Uh, I was looking for my podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I came across this podcast knowing nothing about it. It's like, oh, somebody, uh, there's a podcast about me um, from this guy, and I started playing it. And the person I was with was like, fuck this, this guy's trying to insult you, all this. And I'm like, no, actually, it's kind of amusing, and I appreciate the fact that he put effort into it. So I'm just going to play the first minute of this or so to give you an idea of what this is actually all about. Welcome, listener. This is The Internet Is a Toilet. Have you ever heard of actor, comedian, impressionist, social influencer, personal trainer, haters of haters, and self-proclaimed buffest person on Instagram? Mark Harley? Yeah, neither had I until recently. But holy shit. Episode 30. Quick announcement. I am so pleased to announce that we now have a Patreon But first, a little background on Mark. This information comes from infofamouspeople.com, where he is rated as the 75,278th most popular actor on the website. Not bad, huh? Could be worse. It says, and I quote, his the best movies, Perfect Sport, The Hungover Games, Seasons of War, Booze Boys, and Brownies. Pause. Let's talk about Hungover Games. Starring a bunch of people that you've never heard of and never will... But includes cameos from Tara Reid, Jamie Kennedy, and Caitlyn Jenner. 
Yeah. Okay. So you get the idea. The guy uses that voice the entire time to make fun of my entire career. I appreciated though because he actually did his research. Now, is the research great? No. Is he is he sort of using everything that he finds and framing it in an uncharitable way? Yes. So as a listener who the podcast is about, I'm going to take issue with certain things and go, oh, well, you're getting that wrong, or you're like, you know, picking at an acting reel that actually got me, you know, an audition. Like he, uh, there's one reel that he talks about where I do an Eminem impression <clears throat> and a uh, Russell Brand impression. And he shits on it, but like in my mind, I'm like, well, that got me a you know network callback with uh, <coughs> uh, for the In Living Color reboot. So <coughs> all these things I'm looking at, going, well, 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 but I know that's not the spirit in which you should listen to that and be entertained. If you want to listen to the whole 24 minute episode, uh, you can go ahead and check it out at internet. The internet is a toilet. Mark Harley, I'm sure it'll come up. But I just want to say, you know. At least you're putting effort in. Of course, everything's uncharitable and it's going to be <clears throat> trying to frame everything I've done in my career in the worst light or take some acting reel that I did from, you know, 10 years ago and take a 30 second, you know, out of context clip and shit on it. But at least you're putting in effort. At least you're trying. And I hope that this guy can serve as an example to other haters that I have where, you know, if you really want to hate on me effectively and make it entertaining, you got to put a little work in, got to do a little research, maybe use a funny voice or two. But Again, I think this guy really needs some views. So if you go, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to his page. Let's help him out a little bit, okay? He needs it. Well, first off, I'd just like to say you're welcome for another amazing episode of Haters Will Say. I hope you enjoyed the gift that I gave you doing this entire podcast in a tank top because you deserve it. And who knows, maybe I'll throw in more tank time. Maybe I'll do a whole episode shirtless. I don't know what I'll be feeling. But I just want to give back to you and say, look, I'm not just out here preaching how to work out and how to eat. I'm actually doing it in my real life, and my physique represents that. And I want your physique to represent that too. And if you come on my podcast because you send in a picture of yourself and you're as ripped as me and as yoked as I am, you can sit right here in matching outfits with your boy, Okay. So take that pick, send it in. We're going to have a competition. You can sit right here silently in a matching outfit with Helen Mark Harley if you get the results that you're looking for. Okay? Till next time.